Welcome back to Library Media Chatter, a monthly podcast for people who feel genuine pride when they notice an empty book stand. I'm Dan Wright, librarian, sorry, library media specialist at Melville and Oakville High Schools. With me, as always, is Dr. Greg Baum. I wanted to really emphasize the doctor on that one. I appreciated that. Yeah, I'm Greg Baum. I'm the library media specialist at Rockwood Summit, co-library media specialist. I don't want to leave out. Michael there you go. Library. I guess that's unfair. Yeah, that I, yeah. I somebody's going to listen to this and go, yeah, he's he's running two ships all by himself. Yeah. He's got nobody. And the answer yeah. is absolutely not. I am yeah. running maybe less than half of two <laughs> ships. But if I, you're I'm an just, administrator listening, yeah. yes, <laughs> I'm yes, just paddling is. back and forth between yeah. the two ships, uh, doing my best to help whenever I can. Um, yeah. I did want to point out so this week's um week i did it again this month's uh intro there came from real life oh this week at work i really uh i felt it in my bones just how i I don't know pride or Mm -hmm. like professional just i did it like accomplishment Mm -hmm. uh when i was walking around and i had to keep reloading the book stands (laughs) and i don't know if people were just taking them off and hiding them somewhere the books that were there or if they were taking them and going like not this book and they put it back in the middle of the shelf uh but my assumption is that you went ahead and checked that book out yeah which means i did my job yeah are you talking about the book displays or like a like on the shelf or on the shelf yeah i think i always feel like a lot of kids are intimidated to pick those up like it's like that one they're not allowed to have i don't know i i hope not at least not not in my buildings yeah that's great they're uh they're going uh right in for the ones that i was trying to point out (laughs) that were good (laughs) so it worked ish yeah that's awesome i wonder if there's an equivalent in another profession with something so small (laughs) like do you think if you are if you dressed the mannequin yeah and you see somebody just take that whole outfit. They, they put it together on their own. Yeah. Is that the same feeling? Do you notice I that assume, at the register? I assume there's some sort of like through the looking glass moment. If you see a living human wearing the outfit, like That's what it. is the movie called mannequin where the mannequin comes to life? Like yes. that was a simpler time when you Unless, could just call a movie what it was. Sure. <laughs> Unless mean? you're talking about mannequin two. And then that one was called mannequin two. But yes, the original one was just called mannequin. Fantastic. <laughs> There were two? At least two. They, they mined two movies out yes. of that premise? I'm not sure if Kim Cattrall was the mannequin come to life in both of them or just oh, the original. Gosh. Wow. But yes, wow. there are at least two. Yeah. Well, of course there are. You know what? If, if anything, we'll probably see a reboot of that on Peacock, you know, like this. Oh. Like they've got everything coming back. They've got every single thing from the 80s back. Sure. It, it maybe not? Kim Cattrall <laughs> is now a mannequin at as store for uh, women's clothing for older women. A mature. A mature women's clothing store. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I can like, only assume. Uh, that casual corner that used to be at <laughs> South County Mall for anybody <laughs> that, that, that remembers that store. Um, why I remember it. I I'm was not just really going to sure. say, but you know it. I don't know. Yeah. How. yeah. It's uh, you know, it's yeah, alliteration, Greg. It gets uh-huh. me every time. Uh huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Every every time. time. And I mean, if there's ever a better segment uh, to introduce after a quick talk of '80s and '90s mature women's mall clothing stores, yeah, 
it's time to segue into what are you reading? Yeah, that Greg. was so smooth. I don't think our <laughs> listeners even noticed. No, I mean, that, that's how we, it's all written. This is all scripted out ahead of time. All sc- We're following this perfectly. I am reading uh, Billy Summers by Stephen King. Okay. And I'm, I'm not sure if I've talked about a Stephen King book on here before, but he is one of my favorite writers. I, you know, for a long time, I, I didn't really understand the people who had comfort reads. Like I didn't like, cause I just kind of read, I've read pretty widely. I didn't tend to read. I, and I still don't, I still don't tend to read one author over and over again, but he is an exception. And when he's good, he is really, really good. And he's really, really good in Billy Summers. It is a incredible, it's like this incredibly like heartbreakingly sensitive and thoughtful thriller about an assassin (laughs) which sounds so i mean it's it sounds impossible when you Uh you know like the description yeah the listeners can't see the face i made when you know there was a face it's just wonderful if even if you don't like stephen king it, it imagine like you know some of the big thriller names you know like lee child or um oh what's the name brad thor you know like now imagine if they were also like just incredibly thoughtful and sensitive <laughs> that's usually what those books are known for yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah anyway fantastic highly recommended it is actually it really i will say i have not finished it i'm sure there will be more mature content but i could um at this point i could easily see putting this on a shelf and being able to highly recommend it to a high school student i mean i think it's fantastic very cool so we'll see if it changes but um horror or like like you said thriller no. would you put it more like in the kind of mystery thriller world yeah. would you put I it would, in the yeah so far nothing supernatural okay. um and i think i think it is kind of an intentional takeoff on the thriller genre and okay so i would put it like we don't have a thriller category but we have suspense and that's okay. where i would put it yeah, yeah. cool yeah, we uh we cheated at Melville when we remade. We added some genres a couple of years ago, and one of them was splitting off. Our mystery was like mystery, thriller, suspense, horror, kind of all yeah. together. Yeah. So we made a horror section that's like thriller or like horror and suspense or whatever. Yeah. So I just went ahead and put, or we just went ahead and put all of the Stephen King in that <laughs> section. Like I don't even care because if yeah. you read Stephen King, you want to see all the Stephen King that we have. Yeah. You don't want to go. And yeah. it's literally three shelves of Stephen King oh, books. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't want to go, well, are some of them in realistic or are some of them? No, they're just right, right here. This they're... is Stephen King's section. Just help yourself. Yeah, it just they they have the same yeah. label as the horror, but they're all in the same spot. Don't worry about it. Yeah, them. yeah. So. Yeah, uh, I am reading That Way Madness Lies, uh, mm-hmm. edited by Dahlia Adler. It is a collection of 15 short stories written by YA authors uh, that are all a takeoff of a different Shakespearean play. Okay. And none of them are the very, uh, there's a couple that are a little bit obscure, like Coriolanus is in there, mm-hmm. which is not like a huge mm-hmm. that you would expect necessarily. But for the most part, they're the pretty big ones. And it has been really, really good. I am oh, also cool. not quite done. Yeah. Um, it's one of those books. And I run across these every now and then where I, I say to my wife, I don't know who the audience is if it's not me. i'm um, shakespeare obsessed i read ya for a living basically at this point um and i love short fiction 
So you're just kind of hitting all the bases. That's awesome. Um, and it has been really good. I think you could use this not only to recommend to students um, just who might be interested in short fiction uh, or who might be into Shakespeare who, or who might just want something fun. Because yeah. most of these stories have been pretty fun. Yeah. Um, even the ones that are based on tragedies are interestingly done. Mm-hmm. So it adds kind of that element of like, oh, I like seeing what you're doing with this. Yes, it's yeah. a sad story or whatever, yeah. but I'm enjoying the read. Um, I think your teachers could use some of these as yeah. uh, pairs with what they're doing. The Romeo and Juliet was really interesting uh, because it looked at teenagers who take those moments that seriously a little bit more realistically than Romeo and Juliet does. And I I love Romeo and Juliet. I'm a sucker for that play. I taught it so many times and it just kind of dug its way into my bones. Mm -hmm. Um, But come on. Like, yeah. Yeah. So the, the version in this was a cooler kind of take on and cool is not the right word, but an interesting take on what maybe that's really about and yeah. what this situation really is. So I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, and there's a bunch of other ones. I, the Twelfth Night one was great. The, uh, what was I saying before? Oh, I just read the King Lear one. It was very interesting. Uh, just well done, kind of across the board. Yeah. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I mean, you, we talked about this before we started the show. And one thing that I think other librarians might be interested to know is that you told me the representation is very good in this book. Yes, um, it is. <laughs> and we were maybe speaking of it in, a, in a, a way that might be viewed as a negative for those right. parents out there that are wanting to challenge everything that's right. uh, not doesn't look like Great Gatsby. Right. Um, but there is so much uh, LGBT representation and where these really play with the tropes in Shakespeare Yeah, and use that to a story advantage, uh, not necessarily to advance plot in a like just A to B kind of way, but it makes sense in the world of this story that this is how this works. And Shakespeare's history of not having women on the stage and how right. would that have seemed as a viewer of that and just all the ways that gender and identity get kind of wrapped up in some of those stories or should have been wrapped up in right. some of those stories. It's it's been really interesting. Yeah, well, I mean that's awesome. I I know that one of the things we were talking about before this is in many districts across the country there are just a overwhelming increase. There is an overwhelming increase in the number of book challenges, and I think it would be a shame if people let that stop them from buying stuff that you know diversifies their collection and yes. that offers authentic or semi-authentic representation. I mean. You know, whether or not we want to buy it or deal with challenges, there are kids who need to read it. And yep. so um, and this uh, this editor also has a Poe collection. Oh, cool. That's, uh, called His Hideous Heart. Oh, is, it came before this. It's 13 Poe stories adapted. Oh, um, and a similar kind of vein that I haven't gotten to yet. I'm going to finish this one and then dig into that. <laughs> but you're not wrong. Like, yeah, we teach these stories and yeah. we teach things why do we use certain short stories and not others? If right. it's, well, this one's easier, we've done it or whatever. These are really interesting. And there are absolutely kids that would get a lot out of this. Yeah. Uh, one, when you were saying that, and I know that this isn't necessarily the direction that we were talking, but the Merchant of Venice yeah. in here is 
it's located in the comedies section because she yeah. the editor split it up as comedies and tragedies. Okay. And the editor herself is the one that uh, wrote the story. Mm-hmm. And then had an author's note at the end because she is Jewish. Uh-huh. And just the way that that kind of plays in that we have this stereotype that has existed for so long yeah. because of that play, because that play is so well known and so widely <laughs> done. Yeah. But to kind of take that back and yeah. what does this look like? Uh, and acknowledging that there are speeches in Merchant of Venice that are phenomenal and important and mm-hmm. like the the do we not bleed. Right. That whole idea is right. hugely important, but it's couched in this whole story that's a terrible stereotype and all of these negatives. Right. So having a moment to kind of take that back and to do something yeah. with that with young people. Right. Why couldn't you teach that? Why wouldn't you teach right. that story? It's really well done. Yeah. So, yeah, I was very pleased uh, with That Way Madness Lies. Cool. Um, you should totally check it out if your library doesn't have it. Maybe a little heady for middle schools if you're a okay. middle school listener. Um, but I still think you could do some of them. Yeah. It might be worth maybe just having a copy that you could um, share with teachers if they're interested. Certainly mm-hmm. for a high school audience, though, it's it's really, really good. That's awesome. All right. So that wraps up our what are you reading for this month? We're going to take a quick commercial break and be back with more exciting <laughs> commercial content. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by the Dewey Decimal number 535, which means it's time for Greg's favorite game. Do we know our Dewey? <laughs> I'm going to name books with call numbers that start 535. And Greg is going to guess what that section is all about. Greg, I'll be honest, this one might be a little harder than the last yeah. couple of weeks have been. Oh, gosh. I think Dewey uh, saw that you were laying it down and they're <laughs> like, well, we've got to bring it. So this week when they sent me the information for this month's episode, they're uh, really taking it seriously. Oh, boy. Highlights from 535 include Light and Optics by Kyle Kirkland. How Do We Know the Speed of Light by Charles J. Case and Blue in Search of Nature's Rarest Color by Kai Kupferschmidt. Greg? Oh boy. What is the theme of this section? Well, I'm going to start small and expand if I'm not quite there. So I'm going to start with light. It's a good start. Okay. Yes. So keep expanding. I'm going to say light and color. Okay. So I'll be honest, I'm going to give it to you. Okay. Uh, what was it? So according to the University of Illinois website, they have a, all of this yeah. kind of stuff about Dewey. Uh, very helpful for these segments. Because Dewey doesn't send this <laughs> stuff to me. They just send me the numbers and I'm up yeah. to, I have to You have to do out. some work on it your end. Yeah. They had it labeled as light and paraphotic phenomena. Oh, uh, I almost said paraphotic. So I, that I, was... I was going to kind of nudge you in that yeah, direction. Tip but of I my thought, tongue. Yes, it was right there. Paraphotic Okay. Phenomena. And yeah. I think when you talk to your teachers, that's how you should sell those kinds of books. Well, th- we've been investing heavily in the 535. So, I mean, yes. that makes sense that we would... Yeah. I'll be honest. So this is a, this is a section that I've spent very little time in. Oh, uh, <laughs> really? But I was kind of fascinated to see a book like In Search of Nature's Rarest Color. Yeah. Those types of things, I guess, that fall more in the paraphotic phenomena section of this. Ah, yes. Where you go, like, that could be, maybe there are some interesting books out there, uh, maybe for your art teachers or photography teachers that uh, cover 
the science behind in an interesting way, color mm. and light and what we can see and what we can't, whatever. Um, so I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. So thank you, Dewey, for sending us 535 when you sponsored this episode. Thank you so much. All right, welcome back to Library Media Chatter. It's time for my favorite segment because it's where I get to learn how to do my job better. Greg, what are you doing? What am I doing? Well, um, this week we did in our library some programming and lessons around Band Books Week because this was, you know, National Band Books Week was the end last week of September. And I, when I had started planning that back in August, I really did not anticipate or have on my radar that this would be a really as timely as it has turned out to be or B um, as controversial as it turned out to me. Now I will preface that by saying my administrators, my teachers, my students were all very receptive to this topic. As usual, I feel incredibly lucky to work with that group of people. Um, so we had a display, we had um, these lessons where we had students come in and we kind of talked through questions of banning books and challenging books and censorship. And we did, you know, the ALA has with their Office of Intellectual Freedom, they have uh, an activity called Dear Band Author, where they provide addresses and Twitter handles of authors who have been challenged or banned. Um, and, you know, what I what was really, I think, effective about the lesson was that students were just, they were all shocked, all of them, at the list of titles that are on the, you know, we looked at 2010 to 2019, 100 most frequently challenged books. And of course, they were shocked. They were shocked by things like Captain Underpants. They were shocked by things like the, the Bible, you know, showing up on this list. And so it was really a much better conversation than I had hoped. I mean, you know, I mean, I, I knew it was something I wanted to do, but it just was much better than I had expected. Did you um, get into how Captain Underpants and the Bible are actually banned for the same reasons? Yeah. Did that come up? Yeah. Okay. We did it by reason. So yes. they were together. Yeah. 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 That's, I, I assume that's why yes. those were grouped yeah. in your mind. Yeah. And, you know, I guess I don't, I don't know that I have a whole lot to say except one. This was also the same week when we got some very nastily worded challenges from parents about books on that have topics about race or kind of dealing with issues of race and <clears throat> with LGBTQ topics. And I, you know, it was upsetting as anyone can imagine, or as anyone knows who's gone through that to read those emails and to read, I didn't even have to hear it first, you know, in their voice, but to read like the amount of anger, you know, in them or hate, I don't know what the word is. And it's very, that was very discouraging, but it was encouraging, you know, to have then students who, hey, just, and to be fair, they're teenagers, but they're like, who cares? Like, you know, yeah. but, I mean, it was really encouraging to hear students say things like, well, I don't understand what the problem is. If you don't like it, don't read it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds great. Yes. If you don't like it, don't read it. Fine. Anyway, so that was that was kind of my week. That's what we've been doing. I will say, and this is not to toot my own horn. It's more just to establish kind of the 
atmosphere right now in my district and in my area. But, you know, we had schools <clears throat> where our library media specialists had put together activities on banned books in my district and the teachers refused to use them or to be involved because they were afraid of pushback from parents. And the administrators came to the librarians and said, what do you think you're doing? And so I'm glad, I mean, that was, again, not my situation. Uh, I feel very badly for those librarians that found themselves in that situation, but it's a hard time. And, you know, one of our responsibilities really is intellectual freedom and access and uh, yes it's you know i think we're going to see more of this at least in my school before it gets better so yeah i i was always fascinated as an english teacher when you'd see those lists yeah and you're like oh literally every book i've ever taught yeah and all the books i ever read like that i was assigned by teachers these are all things and obviously that correlation makes sense to an extent Right. right that if they're widely read, they're going to be more widely challenged because yeah. more people will be aware of them. That's what kids are taking home. That's what yes. parents are seeing. Yeah. Which is also then somebody please explain reasonably your issue with these books. Right. And why it, it's beyond. I don't want to read it, so I'm not going to read it. Right. I that's, I think, where I struggle, especially when you're talking about library challenges to books in the library. Yeah. So if you feel like Of Mice and Men is a horrendous text mm-hmm. that will warp the minds of the mm-hmm. youth or whatever, and no one should read it, there's at least a part of my brain that goes, I understand why you would bring that to a district because that's a curricular text. Like if it's a right. curricular text, right? And you're saying all freshmen are going to read this book or all whatever are going to read this book. So at least you're going like this. It's not really, it doesn't feel like an option for me to say my kid's not going to read the thing that everybody has to read. I'm giving that a lot of credence and I don't mean to, but at least in my head, I can see the wheels turning to Mm -hmm. why that's an issue. What difference would it make to, to anybody if in my collection of 15,000 books or however many books are in the library, most of which no one will even notice exists right to me having those books there like the mere act that they exist beyond the content beyond anything else that you want to talk about where it's always or seemingly always race yeah lgbt other gender like whatever issues that these things tend to group around um just what as your students say like who cares? Right. It's, if somebody <clears throat> reads that book, I, I didn't read it. Right. <laughs> I didn't want to. So I didn't. Right. I don't. I don't know. And I know that this is probably preaching to the choir and this is all right. But I just have a hard time wrapping my mind around that. You know, the thing that it, it, I do as well, I have a hard time really understanding. And as someone who was raised in a very, very, very conservative environment and who now does not identify as very conservative. You know, I, even the way I was raised, I don't really understand. I don't think I ever felt that way growing up. And I don't think my parents were that way, but I really think there's been like a change in like our commitment to things like discussing ideas and like listening to each other. 
And I know that in the history of the world, this is people have always tried to silence other voices sure. and control ideas. I mean, I know that we're not, it was not paradise 20 years ago. I get sure. that. But I really do think we're seeing a surge of opposition to those things right now. Sure. And to me, that was a lesson this week as I worked with my co-librarian to say, you know what? I really need to have a ready answer to these kinds of complaints. And so that, if, in, as we talk about professionalization and professional learning and what, you know, what this podcast, you know, is <laughs> blindly aiming at doing. Sure. Just I, my recommendation is if you don't have a, an answer ready to go about that, to come up with one, you yeah. know, with, you know, because I, I didn't have one ready to go and I had to turn to my co-librarian and say, well, what are we going to say to this? You know, like, what are we going to do? Yeah. I think it's, it's interesting. You're making that point about things feeling like they're surging, right? That we are right. in a, a worse spot now than maybe we were in the recent past. Right. Um, I think it's encouraging to see that we have, it seems like professional librarians out there that are like, I'm meeting this challenge. Yeah, I'm not yeah. just going to go, yeah, you're right. Let me take it off the shelf. Yeah. Like we are not right. a world of people that got into this so that we could read. Well, not Captain Underpants. I was going to say Captain <laughs> Underpants. But that, <laughs> that would be horrendous. You can't do that. Right. Uh, read like Clifford, the big red dog books right. to every age group. <clears throat> Right. Because that's the only thing. And then we'll just check out other copies of this book to the same kids. Your librarians are out there trying to make sure that kids have access to this stuff and that yeah. kids are aware. And and hopefully we're seeing students reacting the way that yours did, where they go, right. this seems strange. What difference does it make? Right. Why would it impact? And like, yes, you should have that book because what different who cares they probably grew up reading captain underpants right. and going, i don't get what you're talking about right like, was it the farting is that like <laughs> this is now a terrible thing that no one can know about right uh so yeah that's <laughs> you said that we are blindly aiming at things and i think that's very generous of you to say that <laughs> is even blindly aiming well, you know, we, I mean, we, it's a real doing, pat on our backs. That's right. But we're, we're doing this because we like to trade ideas and we like yes. to have this conversation with other librarians. And, you know, I think that is one thing that people should be prepared for in the, in the near future, if you haven't had one recently, because I think yes. that is, unless you, and, and to be positive, like you, Dan, which is probably the first time anyone's ever said that to you. Oh, uh, uh, okay, so I'm going to take a moment to say, no, it's not. Uh, and that will only be funny to one or two people that are listening to this, because there was a very specific conversation related to libraries where oh, I was yeah. described as very positive. Uh, so that was, yes. That's great. But, go, but continue with, with yeah, my... No, I mean, I would a, just say, I think it is positive that we're living in a time where there is a range of representation and diversity and voices and stories that have been silenced basically for the whole history of the world, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. so that's fine. People are going to complain and they're going to, but at least there are things they can complain about, right? That's a positive thing. Yes. Because we're seeing so much more of it that yeah. the publishing has certainly not caught up and we are not at a, at a point where you're like, well, every, everything's equal now. Right, We've got it right, all figured out. Right. But the fact that books are being published that would not have been published 10 or 15 years ago, not right. to mention 50 years ago, right. um, 
and that the fact that that's alarming to some people is probably a positive thing because it means that it's happening more than it ever was. Right. Um, the last thing I wanted to say on this, and I'm actually, this is the first time all, uh, I was going to say all season, like this is a seasonal podcast that we're doing. And this is, it is now we're one. in pumpkin season. Yes. Yeah. The pumpkin spice episode, yeah. of, uh, <laughs> library media chatter. Um, I'm going to go off script here. Oh, and not do my own. What are you doing? Oh, uh, I know it's weird. We never go off script. Yeah, never. Uh, but I did when you were talking about when Band Books Week was and mm. the lessons that you were doing kind of related to that week specifically, it made me think about this. And I wanted to make sure that I, I kind of threw this out there and you can yeah. react however you want. Probably just very angrily. I, guess. <laughs> I feel like this issue, the idea of banned books and, and promoting and keeping awareness out there and whatever feels to me no different than the argument or the discussion or the, the change in view around um, African-American books and Latinx books and Native American books or whatever, where we used to go like, it's February, let's get out all the books by African-American right. authors and we'll highlight them. Okay, that month's over. When is right. Latin American history and when is Native American history? That's when we'll put those out and it's banned books week. Right. So we'll put these books out on a display for the week. But, right. No, these things need to be talked about all the time. These right. things need to be, It's we're not just putting out Captain Underpants the last week of September. If you believe in Captain Underpants as a book that kids are going to really like, that book should be out there all the time. Find reasons to get those because they're they're worthwhile. And obviously, I'm a big Captain Underpants fan. I've got two <laughs> children. Uh, I can and, tell you really locked on yeah, to that. My boys love Captain Underpants. So <laughs> the fact that anybody would be like, how dare you? Yeah. Um, you're, it's all because Professor Poopy Pants is apparently ruining children. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. But that it's not a... One, one week of the year or one right. month of the year or whatever that like all of that right. stuff, which is maybe why people are getting more upset, right? When, right? when we only put out books in February, then you go, well, yeah, that's fine. That was very polite that we did right. that. Right. Uh, but what do you mean we're going to put out, uh, uh, Jason Reynolds gets books that are put out more often than February. You're going to forward <laughs> face or put on displays right. more than February. Right. How dare you have these right. books out? Yeah. So I, my, my hope is that we all kind of keep that in mind and that we don't yeah. just go, well, it's October. So time's up. We got to yeah. put out Halloween books now and no more controversy and no more authors that people might go, well, what is that about? Right. So I don't know. That's no, I think that's a great point. Yeah. So that's constant a, vigilance. That's constant kind of the vigilance. Yeah. As uh, Professor Moody taught us. That's right. Constant vigilance. That's right. Well, there's no better segue into the reader's nook than talking about noted bibliophile mm -hmm. Professor Alistair Moody. Yes. So this month's reader's nook, <laughs> we are talking about a gateway nominee called Field Notes on Love by yeah. Jennifer E. Smith. At my libraries, I believe it is categorized in the romance section. Same for us. Okay. So uh, I'm going to give a brief rundown mm -hmm. and then let's give our, I know sometimes we go reaction first and then we'll do other things yeah. I think this time because I feel pretty good about the rundown that I came yeah. up with the connections yeah. that I made here. So the easiest way to think about this book is that it's a YA version of the movie before sunrise. Uh, oh. Boy and girl meet on a train. 
conversations ensue, adventures ensue, love ensues, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like that, if you know that film um, or that series of films, that's a pretty easy thing to point to. But as I was preparing notes yesterday, I was like, oh, but there's so many other things I could connect this to. So this is a YA before sunrise. If the Jesse character, which is the Ethan Hawke character, uh, was from a John and Kate plus eight situation, <laughs> uh, where he's one of, in this case, he's one of um, six, I believe. Yeah, yeah six tuplets. Yeah. Uh, so I guess John and Kate plus six. Yeah. Um, but it's the lesser known. Yes. Uh, it is, but decidedly more British yeah. and with fewer Ed Hardy tees. <laughs> uh, so, which is a, if anybody remembers Ed Hardy t shirts. Um, so this would be like Nigel and Margaret plus six or something at the very British kind of feeling. Yes. Uh, and the Celine character, who's a female lead in Before Sunrise, was like Mark from Rent, uh, an aspiring filmmaker who just can't really get personal enough every time. Like, oh, this is what I do. I make films and whatever. And the feedback, the blunt feedback is, is are you in there anywhere are you doing anything with that um and and just to top it all off i couldn't even remember the name of this movie but it's kind of like the sandra bullock ryan reynolds movie where she's his boss and they have to pretend to be in love for some reason uh but it turns out that they actually then do fall in love um so I, what do you think? Did I nail it with those? I was going to say that was a real walk through Dan's pop, pop culture, culture yeah. references. Yeah, that was fantastic. Yeah, I felt really good as I was. I was like, really enjoying that. This I, is too many words, but I feel like I'm getting all the references yeah. I needed. Yeah, to get. it was great. Yeah. Um, so hmm. plot synopsis, Hugo, the boy has two train tickets for a romantic trip with his girlfriend. And then she dumps him right yeah. before they go on the trip. It yeah. says, hey, you should go on it anyway. Uh, the problem is all of the things are booked under her name. Yeah. And so he can't uh, change any of those. He calls and they don't let him change anything. And he still wants to go. So he has to find a different person with that same name so that she can pose as the original Margaret Campbell uh, to go on this trip so they can actually enjoy the trip. And adventure ensues, I guess, is the, mm-hmm. the thing to say there at the end. It's alternating POV as it goes. You get some of him and some of her as everything goes on. Uh, I'm going to say I enjoyed it much more than I thought I would. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not a romance reader traditionally, which may come as a surprise to our, <laughs> our many listeners. Uh, the the traditionally on... surprised me. That was the part yes. that got me. <laughs> this now, like, yeah. I enjoyed this book. I thought yeah. it was pretty good. Um, the The premise felt a little bit... I, cliche only because I know before sunrise and yeah. that idea of like, Oh, st- finding this way for these two people to meet was like, it's a little bit contrived, maybe a lot of bit contrived. Yeah. <laughs> it's clearly a novel, but I enjoyed it. I thought it was a, it was a good yeah. read. It was a fun, easy read. Your yeah, thoughts. I, I would agree. Okay. My description would have been a fun, easy read for someone who likes basically category romance. Right? I mean like, right. Like this is, about as perfect a YA version of a category romance as you can get. It hits all the beats that it should hit, you know, right when the big fight's going to be. I mean, you know, yes. like, I mean, it yes. hits everything right where it should. 
Which is great. That's not a criticism. I think like you, I felt like there were things that it felt like someone was like the author had rolled dice to figure out who all these characters were going to be unique. Like <laughs> rattle, rattle, rattle. And he has, he's a sex tuplet, yeah. right? Like rattle, <laughs> rattle, rattle. She has gay dads. I mean, like to yes. me, those did not feel like authentic parts of the story. Yes. And I don't know that that is a thing that a teenager would think about. I mean, sure. they're not problems any more than I would just be like, oh, you could have rolled those dice and he could have been an astronaut. You know, I mean, like, <laughs> like that it, would have been, I feel like, Greg, that's unfair. That would have been a totally different story because why would it be on a train? Right. This would be, I'm on a shuttle flight. Right. And my girlfriend who was supposed to go with me dumped me. Right. <laughs> Who's another female astronaut right. with this name? Right. And maybe an 80 year old lady is the first volunteer and then whatever. Oh, Who knows? Yeah. 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 I don't know. I mean, again, so no real criticism except is what it is. Yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Does that seem no, fair? I think that I think that is very fair. I think from the, the premise kind of forward. Yeah. It is that like because there's no major stakes in the story. Right. At all. Like and I right. don't I don't even mean that as a criticism because I thought no, it was I, a, yeah. it was a very breezy, quick read. I could just sit down and enjoy Nothing was overly heavy. Nothing right. was overly anything. It was just mostly lighthearted. Put yeah. it in your romance section. Give it to romance readers. Yeah. It's I, fun. It's easy. Yeah. I don't think anybody will be, uh, your romance readers will not be disappointed. Right. No, it's a good book. book. It's a yeah, fun like, book. Yeah. You will. I don't think that you'll convert a lot of people to right. become deep romance readers. Um, and Somebody like Greg, who reads a lot of Harlequin romances, yes. this was not his bag. Mostly I pose for covers of Harlequin. Yes, yes. That's... yes. I think that's fair. I think people, yeah. people again, this is an audio medium, so they yeah. can't see Greg. Yeah, uh, but don't generally, me. <laughs> generally, they just paint Fabio's head yeah. over Greg's so that he can remain anonymous. But yeah. All those muscles are Greg's. Yeah, All the, and usually I'm carrying books or pushing a book cart or... yes. Yes, all yeah. <laughs> literary, the library Harlequin yeah. romance. Yeah, right. <laughs> With Fabio as yeah. the... It's where uh, you have a lot of pasty, thin-armed, yes. uh, middle-aged yes. men on the yes. covers. That was a Noah Wiley tribute, so I was really uh, opening that door for you. I, I, wanted, really thought... I wanted to say it, but I don't want to yeah. attack a future guest on the episodes. Maybe. Well, it's true. We've, We've been, been in talks, and yeah, I don't want to... We do wanna... have news about that coming yeah, up. So, right, uh, right. I didn't, I didn't want to be the reason why we lost that get. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, listeners. I'll carry that one. Yeah. If in the future you <laughs> yeah. realize that Noah Wiley did not come on. If you realize. You know to blame. Yeah. If we're like a year from now and you're like, they never did get Noah Wiley or you're yeah. going through the back catalog yeah. of episodes and you, which you will be. That. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. If yeah. It's only monthly. You need stuff right. to listen to more regularly. Right. Yeah. So that's uh, the reader's nook for this month. If you have thoughts on that book or any of our previous topics, please send us an email yeah. to librarymediachatter at gmail.com. We are very starved for attention, as you yeah. can tell by yeah. the fact that we keep making this podcast. Right. So with that being said, right. let's take a quick commercial break and we'll be back for <laughs> to wrap things up. 
This month's episode of Library Media Chatter is brought to you by Glossy Spine Labels. Glossy, they shine just like you do. Welcome back. We have just enough time to wrap things up with a quick note. Uh, our booking agents have reached out to Noah Wiley to get his opinion of the librarian hierarchy controversy we uncovered last month and to answer for his role in perpetuating the pervasive <laughs> all librarians are handsome adventurers stereotype. So stay tuned as we dig further into this important issue if Greg didn't already ruin it for us <laughs> in the previous segment. And with that, I think we've just about done it. So remember, read responsibly, use a bookmark.